Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JTandTheDon at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don, Donato Gucci, and remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember to please leave us a five-star review. We have a special guest today, but before we get to him, let me welcome in everyone's favorite, JT, Jimmy Thompson. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. Two things. One, I don't trust you at all. Everybody pretty much knows that. And I specifically don't trust you today. I, I don't know. You've been snarky for the past couple of days. You came in here with this ridiculous grin. I feel like you got something up your sleeve. I don't know what's going on, but I'm really excited about today's show because we always joke that this is not a fantasy football show. And it's true. It's not. It's not a fantasy football show or a fantasy basketball show. But if you know us, you know how much we love fantasy sports because I beat it at everything. So today, we're going to talk about fantasy football. So this should be dope. Well, I did win the fantasy basketball league, but we won't we won't bring that up. So you really want to talk about that? I mean, I did win. So okay, whatever. Let's welcome in our special guest. He is a writer at the Game Day NFL, formerly of Roto Baller and Four for Four Football. He is awesome to follow on Twitter. So let's welcome in our fantasy football expert, Frank Emirante. Frank, how are you today? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, I'm feeling great because anytime I get to talk to uh, talk football with some guys like yourself, uh, great guys you seem like, uh, you know, it's it's a good time. So I'm it's going to be fun, and uh, I'm honored that you you've taken me on as a guest. Absolutely, I know JT's been been wanting to bring you on for a while, so thank you for your time. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to provide not only myself knowledge but our fans and, and listeners. Um, and real quick, before we get started, can you let the fans and listeners know um, where they can find you on social media? Yeah, sure. So you can find me on Twitter at F-A-M-M, that's two M's, I-R-A-N-T-E-T-F-J on Twitter there. And, you know, I'm always uh, firing out uh, my takes and uh, some, you know, uh, informative content about players who you might want to draft, who you might not be as high on. I'm always willing to engage in debate, so hit me up. All right. All right. So, JT, are you ready for this? I've got my notebook. I've got my my pen. I'm, I'm ready to go. Are you ready? That's what makes me nervous. I, I'm ready because I feel like he's one of the guys that has me addicted to Twitter. And you, I don't want him giving you all the secrets that I use. Like, you always make the joke about the dark web. He's part of that. So um, this is a bittersweet day for me. But hey, absolutely. Let's get started. Frank, before I ask this first question, that's all you need to know about JT right, is he's born and raised in Miami, claims he's a big Dolphins fan. What hat does he have on right now? Are we, are we really started with that? You, you <laughs> San Francisco hey, 49ers. Hey, wait. That's all you need to yeah. know about him. But wait, wait, wait. He's he's showing some love to his new coach by repping his old colors. <laughs> you know what? That That's exactly uh, what He didn't even about. want Thank him you, Frank. hired, Frank. Uh. He didn't even want him hired. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's... That's water under the bridge. It's a it's a new day now. He maybe he changes mind. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a Mike McDaniel throwback. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> All right, JT. Uh huh. Well, 
Frank, you, you mentioned, you know, it's a new day. So each season, there is more uncertainty around the running back from a fantasy football perspective uh, due to injuries, the amount of career career carries for a specific running back, as well as timeshares, running back committees. Um, is the adage of taking a running back early in drafts, in particular, like the first round, early, mid first round, is that adage coming to an end in your opinion? Well, I wouldn't say it's coming to an end, but we're definitely seeing a transition for a number of reasons. Number one, you know, more and more people play full points per reception leagues or even half. So that means that gives more value to receivers or running backs who catch passes. You mentioned timeshares. So we don't have those, you know, like Ladanian Tomlinson types who just dominate touches anymore. So that is a factor. Uh, but having said that, there are still running backs in the first round who are highly coveted, like, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, and so on. The list goes on. But you're seeing more and more people be more comfortable with drafting wide receivers in the first round, particularly in the top five. You know, look at Cooper Cup last year. He went off. He was the highest scoring uh, non-quarterback. In fact, I think he outscored every quarterback as well. So uh, wide receivers are going earlier than ever. And and a lot of a common strategy now more than before is that not only like you may take a running back early, like in the first round, but you a lot of sharp players wait on their RB2. They don't go like running back, running back in the first two rounds or even like people in the past would go their first three rounds. They take running backs. That's that's starting to go away because you can find you can just hammer receiver in that second, third, fourth round. And there's a lot of really good ones, you know. DJ Moore, Michael Pimmon Jr. And so there's several. So you could take them. They have similar upside without the same injury risk because running backs get hurt at a higher rate than any other position. So when you do that, you just target your RB2 later because you can find like a Rashad Penny or like a Chase Edmonds that they can take a leap. The reason they're going low is because their situation is a little bit unclear. It's not fully defined who's going to be the lead back, but you capitalize on that. Um, that's like a buying opportunity for you, that uncertainty. So you're hammering receiver and then you're taking your RB2 later. You could even throw in an elite tight end in the mix in those first three round picks or an upper tier quarterback as well. But the point is you don't want you want to stay away from the like Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, even Cam Akers coming off the Achilles, those type of running backs who are that high because of uh, previous track record and, you know, um, and volume. So to sum it up, it's basically, it's a transition, more receivers going in the first round and it's not as optimal to take so many running backs within your first three round picks. Got it. Got it. I like that. First notes on the board. He threw a couple names in there so Jesus far. I'm feeling man. good, JT. <laughs> I know. I saw you. You looked down the entire time. I just saw your. I saw your hand moving. That means that that, that you're stealing all this information. I I agree with you on the thought process and you know how you how we're getting there. But I got to take it a step further. I think it is coming to an end. And just for everything that you mentioned, like who are the running backs that I feel comfortable taking? Let's say in the first six or seven picks that don't fall into one of these major concerns like career carries. Like look at all the guys that have a thousand or more career carries like Henry, Kamara, Fournette, Mixon, Dalvin Cook. And I love Christian McCaffrey, but you know how the last two years have gone. So 
that's like the main thing with the running back, you know, how many, how much miles do they have on them? How much treads left on the tire? And then I, you know, you mentioned injuries like Barkley or DeAndre Swift or even James Conner guys that, you know, if they weren't hurt, they'd be drafted much higher. And then the timeshares, I look at it as who do I feel comfortable after JT? And even he's got his, you know, concerns like last year, he didn't play all the snaps until a certain part of the year. He's not really known as like a PPR back per se. So after him, I could just go draft, like you said, like Jefferson or Cup or Diggs or somebody like that. And I get probably more point potential and less injury risk. So I just don't see how I could go to myself and say, hey, like, all right, you're, let's say, number two, go get a Derrick Henry or Christian McCaffrey when Justin Jefferson's right there. So I think I don't know where the next superstar running back is coming from that doesn't have one of these three issues. But JT, I, I've got to lean more toward what Frank was saying, where you, you think it's it's basically coming to an end. But I, I agree more with Frank because you say that now, like, I don't know where these running backs are coming from. But if Travis Etienne blows up, if Najee Harris has an actual offensive line to, to run behind, he, he's going to blow up. And all of a sudden next year, if Jonathan Taylor can do what he did again this year, I know you're not a fave, you're not big on a lot of carries but you saw Derrick Henry was still going high up until probably this year but then you'll have JT a guy like Etienne a guy like Najee Harris and there's going to be other guys in there somewhere and then maybe there's a rookie that comes in like a Saquon Barkley a couple years ago where it's like we got to take him and all of a sudden then the running backs again are up there because at one point in the first round you know Julio was going Odell Beckham Jr and look what happens to those guys like, so yeah, right now it looks good with Justin Jefferson, Cup, but what if Stafford's elbow isn't good? How is Cup going to be? And then how's that going to affect receivers again. next year? So it, things are always in cycles, but I think that cycle, the running backs are always almost near the top all the time. So I, I'm more with Frank here where I don't think it's an absolute that it's over. Yeah, things change, but that cycle can pick up next year if two or three guys blow up like a Jonathan Taylor did. But I want to, I, 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 you guys make great points, but what I'm saying is, okay, so Frank, I, I definitely want to ask you this question. So let's do his scenario. Cause I think the guy that fits into that category is probably like Javante Williams. Like he's the guy that he could, he could go off. And then next thing you know, like next year, he's like a top three pick, but like be honest, if Travis Etienne, let's say does good this year, are you realistically taking him in the first like eight or nine picks next year? Like based on what you know? I see what you're. I think your your main point is you like grabbing those players before they break out, so you could get them in the second or third or maybe even fourth round, and then once they get to their peak value in the first, you you prefer to look elsewhere. I I I see what you're saying there. I I get that because the, the risk is higher because it's higher draft capital, higher opportunity cost because there's great players around at the same ADP. So I totally get what you're saying. As for Etienne, you know. It depends what he does, really. Like, if you, it depends to the extent of his breakout. But I, I totally understand your injury concerns. Even let's say if Etienne, let's say he goes off this year. Well, next year, James Robinson would be another year removed from recovering from the Achilles. Maybe they use him a bit more next year. So I, I definitely hear what you're saying. 
yeah, we always have this problem. So his problem in fantasy is he always drafts him a year too early. So if I want to be successful, <laughs> I just draft his team who, from the previous year. Who drafted <laughs> Jonathan Taylor his rookie year, you know? And then I didn't get him last year. Actually, I think I cut him his rookie year. I hate to say yeah. that. And, right. and he's always telling me uh, I I trade too much. Like I give lops. He says I give lopsided trades, which I don't agree with. But that's that's his opinion. <laughs> sometimes, hey, sometimes uh you could get in the trap of trying to trade too much and then the the players you traded just because at the time they weren't as you know how the fantasy football season the value changes by the week uh like look last year you could have let's say thought cooper cup just because he went off week one and two maybe i'm going to sell high and trade him for a guy who went in early second round like a calvin ridley and that would have just bombed you so you have to be careful with trading for sure yeah definitely so we're going to, the whole breakdown of this show is we're going to go position by position. So we're going to start with what I think is the most important one is the quarterback. So I want to ask you some particular questions about the position and about specific players. So let's start with a guy that I'm, I'm really, really want to get your opinion on. I'm really interested to hear what you, what you got to say. Um, Patrick Mahomes, a lot of changes for him in your mind this year. Is he still a top three fantasy quarterback? Well, I'm going to start off by saying I, I understand those who still think he is like he's the best quarterback in the NFL. He might go down as one of the best in history. He's got a great offensive line and he's got an awesome play caller and Andy Reid. But personally, I'm saying no, that he's a, I don't think he's a top three fantasy quarterback this year. And uh, we look at last season. He was quarterback five in fantasy points per game. And now he lost Tyree Kill. So I know they. They brought in Juju, who I think will be have a nice year. Marcus Valdez-Scantling could uh, stretch the field. Sky Moore was really highly touted by many respected draft minds as a, as a receiver that could have went higher in the draft. But it's just that simple thing combined with the fact that, you know, the quarterback position from a fantasy standpoint is in great hands. There's so many high upside players there. There's Josh Allen. There's Justin Herbert, there's Lamar, there's Kyler, there's Hertz who just added A.J. Brown. There's Burrow who's another year removed from uh, the torn ACL. Like you look at last season, it's likely that they kind of took it easy with Burrow and didn't make him drop back as much because of the O-line concerns. And he still did great towards the end of the year. So for me, Mahomes is a little bit, uh, you know, to take him in the top three, I, I personally would not. I'd be looking elsewhere. Um maybe at a receiver or tight end, like an elite tight end, and then grabbing someone like Burrow later later in the draft. Don, you agree with that? Listen, I'm never going to disagree with our fantasy football expert. Let, let's put that out there. I'm never going to disagree with you, Frank. I may have my own opinion, but I'm never going to disagree with you. I, I, I would, this is what I would say about Mahomes is I think people, I think maybe such as JT himself are kind of too fast to just get rid of Mahomes in that top tier. Cause this is what I always, Frank, this is what I always ask JT is Andy Reid still the head coach of the chiefs? Yes. Is the enemy <laughs> still the OC of the chiefs? Yes. Is Kelsey still the tight end? Granted he is older, Right. And we finally saw him have some injuries last year, those little like kind of injuries that bother you throughout the whole year. But Kelsey is still there. They brought in like three different running backs with Ronald Jones, 
Um, a lot of people are high now on Isaiah Pacheco based on what he's doing in, in preseason and in camp. They've got Juju, like they still have Hardman with the speed. So to me, if Patrick Mahomes just takes care of the ball, that's really my concern for him. I still think naturally he'll be a top five in points and probably will be a top three. Now, I don't disagree with you, though, that there's a chance, yeah, that definitely doesn't happen more so than other years. But I'm still high on him. Um, and, and, you know, maybe I'm not in the majority there, but I am still high on him for, for those reasons. OC head coach, they still brought in young, younger weapons. Juju's still young. Pacheco's obviously young. You mentioned Sky Moore. I think JT and I were big on him going into the draft. So, man, so it sounds like you're gonna be drafting him early, right? I need to know yeah. this because I need to yeah. know. I need to know yes. what's going Please on. Please leave him. Are you drafted him early or not? Please leave him there. <laughs> um, I gotta agree with uh, Frank on this one. I don't. I definitely don't think he's top three, and I'm even debating whether he's top five at this point because, for the obvious reasons you said, there's no Tyree Kill there, and you look at Mahomes as a starter. I don't think any quarterback has completed more uh, deep passes, 20 yards or more than him since he's come into the league. So you take away Tyreek and that takes away like the one thing that makes him a top three quarterback, his ability to put up numbers in a hurry. Like you could be losing by 30 points and Mahomes gets three drives and that that lead is gone. Like I think those days are done with Tyreek not there. And you look at last year, he was at some point uh, take what the defense gives you type of quarterback. Like he was checking down. He wasn't looking for the deep shot every play. Like it was like, look, if I have to work underneath, I'll work underneath. Now he was still successful, but I think it took his ceiling dramatically down. So I'm, I'm really hesitant on where to draft him. So Frank, like, where do you see him? Like, is he outside the top five for sure? Or is he almost getting outside the top 10? Uh, that I would like, I would personally not take him within the top five. I'd put him in the QB six, seven range. Okay. Uh, but not past the top 10. Like he's too talented in that to, to make him go down that far. But I just prefer taking like one of the quarterbacks I listed. So yeah, QB seven. So Josh Allen, I like better, you know, he has a better supporting cast. They're very pass heavy. Allen runs the ball. Herbert, he's finished as like QB seven and QB two his first two years. They chuck it downfield. I think they have a better supporting cast than KC as well. You know, Burrow, I mentioned, he might have the best supporting cast in the NFL with Chase Higgins, Mixon, and an improved offensive line. Then you have Lamar and Kyler who can, and Hurts who can run at a high rate. So, And then Hurts adds A.J. Brown to it, and, and Kyler gets Marquise Brown. So they all had better upgrades to their offense or it stayed the same, whereas Kansas City, I know they did a solid job uh, putting pieces together to replace Hill, but... You look at that receiving core, it could be more fragile than we think. Like, I like Juju this year, but the fact of the matter is, is he's not been the same receiver for a couple of years, like, especially this last year, which was injury plagued. And MBS has never been someone who's going to be commanding targets. He's just, he just is like a deep threat to stretch the field and he'll get like a, like a long pass here and there. And the, and we like Sky Moore as a prospect, but he's still a rookie. So what if, you know, Juju, continues to struggle from last year and MBS is MBS. They just have Kelsey in a really more limited receiving course. So there's, I think more of a downside to Mahomes than there has been in years past. So I'm, I prefer the others. 
yeah, well, don't tell, they'll tell Don that you don't like Juju because um, he might just walk off set. You know, him no, I do. On. Well, he's, he's I actually Kansas do. City now. He's it's in just, Kansas City now. I just want to click, like, I do like him, but there's always the, like, there's a chance that he doesn't bounce back like we think. I do think he right. will, right. but there's all, you got to weigh the risks, right? And, and that's definitely in, like, the range of outcomes. He actually made a perfect segue to what I want to ask next. So you're you're giving out rankings. I know Don's writing this down, stealing all the good information. What quarterback do you think right now, like the hype in the ADP is out of control? All right. So I'm going to go with a player who's the quarterback of the team on your hat. I'm going with Trey Lance. Now, I understand the appeal. Like he's in a Shanahan offense. His weapons are are unreal with Debo, Kittle, Ayuk. Uh, he's got great rushing upside. He's a high-end prospect that went real high in the draft. They traded up to get him. But if you look on, like, say, underdog fantasy, he goes at as high as quarterback seven. That's pretty – I know everyone's chasing the ceiling and and hoping that he can be, like, have a, a Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, or even Jalen Hurts year one. But, I mean, he's still really inexperienced. He, he – couldn't beat out Jimmy G last year is maybe he's a little more raw than than we think maybe he needs more time I just think he's being drafted a little bit too high but like I said I understand like the skill set and the and the team context is there for him to really thrive I just I'd rather wait and just take because he goes ahead of Joe Burrow and I love Burrow this year I'd rather wait and take Burrow Hmm. I mean I was I was hoping that you wouldn't say Trey Lance, but I had a feeling maybe he might be in the list of options. But you brought up Joe Burrow. I'm really interested, a uh, little little off script. So I, I get the concerns with Trey Lance, obviously inexperienced, and you can't beat out a guy that they don't even want this year in Jimmy G. But how do you justify taking, let's say, Joe Burrow, who I think people are taking really high when, you know, he doesn't do some of the things that Lance has built in, like running. And I I don't know if they're going to increase his passing or, you know, leave it the same as it was last year to where you're really relying on, you know, ridiculous efficiency with Burrow. Well, a few things. So um, for one, it was just that, you know, let's start with the ridiculous efficiency. So that could regress a little bit of course because he was crazy efficient like 8.9 yards per attempt and you know he was they weren't even passing at a higher rate but to answer that I think you'll see an increase in volume in that passing game just because they improved their offensive line the passing game you look at the roster that's the strength of the team Jamar Chase T Higgins Tyler Boyd uh I think they I mentioned it earlier but I think they eased him in coming off the ACL because of how bad the line was it's kind of risky to have him dropping back so much so as we saw down the stretch when in the game against Baltimore and Kansas City when they started to open it up and air it out like he can really put up huge numbers and I know the rushing upside isn't there as much with Burrow but I think it's a little bit better than what it showed last year so I looked back uh, last season he averaged like seven rushing yards per game which is obviously very low but it makes sense because of coming off the knee injury. If we look at his rookie season, he averaged 14 rushing yards per game. So maybe now a year removed from that, you might see him run towards the rookie rates. Now, of course, that's not going to be as high as Trey Lance, but it's still helpful that extra seven yards per game if he gets to that. I just think that he could be a special passer and the 
just the supporting cast is so good that he's safer than Lance, even though Lance has that rushing upside. I think he can really go off throwing a chase and Higgins in another year, year two with the, all those weapons intact. And we could see, we could be watching like, like a real special passer, but I do get what you're saying. Like if Lance hits, he can blow Burrow out of the water if, if since he doesn't pass the ball enough. So I understand it's just personally, I'm going Burrow. All right. I know Don's writing this down because he, the fact that he's being quiet, that means he's, there we go. See, told you. <laughs> so I feel I feel like he you might have answered my next question. So what quarterback will you regret not drafting? Yeah. Oh, so yeah, that's <laughs> that's exactly who I had written here. It's just I think you'll regret not drafting Joe Burrow just because he's fully healthy, improved O-line, elite supporting cast. Uh, like I mentioned, he'll pro he there's a chance he'll run sort of towards his rookie levels. But, um, you know, like he's if he was going like in the top five, I'd understand a little more if you're avoiding him. But on underdog, he's at quarterback eight. You could get him like in the sixth round, seventh round. So it's not really a crazy price. And uh, in your home league, in a home league, too, he'll probably go around the same range. So I think we could be underestimating what they could really do, because just that offense is just so stacked. Like Jamar Chase and Higgins is such a great combo. And. I think we'll though if you fade him, you'll regret it. All right. JT, can I jump in real quick? Frank. No, I, it, I really don't want to hear what you have to say. He was doing a such a great it's job. A, it's a question <laughs> for Frank. It's a question for Frank. It's not my opinion. Um, along those lines, you mentioned Burrow as far as you know, one you will regret not drafting. Do you think the same can be said for guys like Jalen Hurts or even Dak Prescott that uh -huh fantasy wise statistically had really good years last year now if you don't take them this year would people regret that uh we'll start with Hertz. yeah the, that can definitely happen as well because he produced at a high level from a fantasy standpoint last year and now he adds one of the best receivers in the nfl and aj brown and if you look at their splits last season when they were passing more earlier in the season Hertz was way more effective in fantasy when they started to run like crazy. Like I think he was quarterback 11 when they started that really run heavy approach, starting with that lions game when like they rushed for, I don't know, five touchdowns, something crazy. He was quarterback 11 from there, but uh, from the point like week one up until that game, he was quarterback one. And I feel like uh, Philly wants to get at least closer towards that passing rate from the first half of the season because they wouldn't have went out and got A.J. Brown if they want to keep that crazy run-heavy tendencies they showed at the end of the year. Not saying they'll be, like, really pass-heavy, but you got to think the pass rate will will be higher this time around with an improved supporting cast. Yeah, plus didn't Miles Sanders say not to draft him in fantasy, so maybe he's <laughs> kind of telling us something uh, that yeah. is going to be, like Frank said, a little closer to, to the passing uh, Philly Eagles instead of the running attack. Yeah, and I wanted to add, because you did say uh, Dak, too, because I have a good point about him, is, like, uh, if you look at his – I mentioned Burrow's uh, running rates uh, per game last season coming off the ACL. Well, Dak coming off the ankle, his rushing decline last year, understandably so, because he's not going to run on that injury. But now it's another year removed. He's fully healthy. You might see him run at a higher rate than he had in the past. 
and maybe even not sorry not a higher rate than he had at the past but like back to his career norms and running rate which would obviously help him from a fantasy standpoint and hey uh, two years ago he was just remember before that Giants game he was just putting up video game numbers so and he's a real value like he goes like I think quarterback 10 or 11 uh, so you, he's a he's another quarterback you could definitely regret drafting this year. Before JT asks his last question on quarterbacks, going back to Hurts, right? Do you think he can get close to the 784 yards and 10 rushing touchdowns he had last year? Uh, I think that the, from the the rushing yards, he could get close to there. He could get like six, seven hundred, maybe even. Maybe he can eclipse it, but I think the touchdowns are where likely you'll see a decline in that production just because 10 is a lot. And they, they yeah. really ran him a lot in the red zone, but now they have A.J. Brown. They have another premium target there. And obviously having your quarterback, especially like inside the 10, inside the five, run it in. That's like that's an injury risk. You're having him like get go through those piles of bodies. So it's probably Carson in there. Carson yeah. in Philly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's probably in their best interest not to run him so heavily when they got get that close in the red deep in the red zone. So I think the 10 could be even cut in half this time around to like five. But the rushing yards, I think he could approach that. Got it. Yeah, I mean, I think I was reading something where he was like top five in like red zone rushing attempts, period, like amongst all players. I mean, to have your quarterback do that is insane. And I agree with you. It's a huge injury risk. And that's literally how you lost your last franchise quarterback in Philly. Yeah, I'm just shocked. All right. Nobody's giving love to Kirk Cousins because that would have been my pick. I mean, new OC, it's going to be really pass heavy. We've seen him do it before in like run centric offenses. I mean, I think he's going to have a career year, but I like all the guys you said. I mean, go big or go home. Yeah, I like Kirk Cousins as well. I love the coaching upgrade. Like Mike Zimmer and his staff, they had some outdated philosophies. Now you bring a progressive young coach, Kevin O'Connell's first stint coming from the McVay coaching tree. And Cousins always been like in the top 12 the last couple of years, despite playing in that run heavy type of offense. Even though they started to pass a little more last year, it's just that they'll likely pass into like passing more on first downs and things like that and moving the players around the formation. There's been word of that for Justin Jefferson. So yeah, I wanted to just pick one, but yeah, if I added a little cousins would definitely be on it. All right. Yeah. I mean, anytime Justin Jefferson's saying like, I understand why Cooper cup's so yeah. wide open, like that, that just makes my, my ears stand up. So, all right. Yeah. So this next question, we're going to ask a couple of these throughout the show, but this is, where we hold where we you make your name for yourself it's, it's money time like we got to come back and see okay the expert this is what he said how close was it to the truth so i think i know where you're going with this but i could be wrong i'm not a betting man so the qb1 at the end of the year will be who okay so i go bold on some positions and a lot of times but uh for qb1 i'm gonna go st- I'm going to play it safe here. I'm sticking with Josh Allen just because it's the perfect storm of passing volume. They air it out at such a high rate, rushing upside. He could still add yardage on the ground. He could still rush for touchdowns and supporting cast. You know, they got Steph Diggs. They got Gabriel Davis, who could maybe take a leap this year. He's a real polarizing player. We'll see. Uh, you know, Isaiah McKenzie's been getting some uh, positive reports. So they have. Uh, and even they added uh, Jamison Crowder, who's a vet 
And then you have James Cook as well. Who, who knows? He could be a dynamic back that helps in the passing game. So just a perfect storm checks all the boxes. I'm going to stick with Josh Allen. All right. I mean, I know that makes Don happy. That's its keeper. But listen, JT, <laughs> book it. My keeper. I'm selecting it now, Josh Allen. So book it in there in your league. I'm, I'm keeping <laughs> Josh Allen. Can you believe it, Frank? JT was trying to talk me out of keeping Josh Allen as my keeper, saying, well, no, no, no quarterback. No, has been able to be QB1 three years in a row, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I'm glad he said Josh Allen because that just makes me feel better now. Definitely. You know what's I'm funny about Josh that? Allen. One, I, I'm i impressed. You actually listened to me and remember what I said. So Only now the I, really important got, stuff. I really, I really got to watch what I say around you because I, now I know that you're you're putting a show on. And, and that's actually a really good point because – so long story short, we have Josh Allen as a keeper in two different leagues. So my, I was telling him that I think at some point I'm willing to move him, preferably when he you know is in the midst of going off, like you're saying, because there is no there's only two quarterbacks that have been back to back QB ones. And I don't think any other quarterback besides I think it's Steve Young and maybe Brett Favre have had three straight years of Q of like QB one overall finishes like you think he can you think he can do that. And you think I'm crazy for saying like, all right, at some point I need to trade him this year. No, I, I don't. I don't think that it's crazy to trade him capitalizing on while his value is at its highest. And like we mentioned how some, there's so many um, like high upside quarterbacks available. Maybe you can, you know, trade Josh Allen for say, I know you like Lance, you could trade him for like Lance and another piece, which would be like a pretty high end piece considering, you know, Lance is inexperienced and unproven. So, no, I agree with you. Even though I'm saying that I think he'll be the quarterback one, like he goes like third round. So I'd rather just take, say, like DJ Moore at that price and take one of the other quarterbacks we talked about. But from a keeper standpoint, one question, is it like where you have to keep the player at the round that you drafted him or just you keep whoever you want? No. So we we make it so as if it's your keeper, it's your first round pick. Oh, okay, okay. So wait, you have what were your other options? For him yeah. or for me? <laughs> I oh, you're on different. Oh, I, I thought yeah, you yeah. guys were splitting. But uh, do you have like a high-end running back or receiver as an option? Um, I don't believe so. Um, oh, okay, okay. To be honest, you know, I, because I got Josh Allen, I forgot about everybody else that I had because you only pretty keep much one guy. Or I don't have to keep any. So if you recommend me not oh. keeping any, I could keep none and have my first round pick frank please uh, tell him to not keep josh allen <laughs> just just tell him it's a bad idea it's it's tough because if you're keeping josh allen you're basically drafting him in the first round and if you did that in like a in a like regular a re, a redraft regular, regular redraft yeah it's it's like a, a big reach you're reaching two rounds on them so even oh, if it's super flex oh this is super flex yeah oh okay that's totally different and he's like he goes like first overall in those. <laughs> so yeah, you gotta keep, keep it him. him. Yeah, you Check. gotta keep him. Keep it him. Sold. Bro, I'm the, sold. The amount of people you ripped off last year to get Josh Allen, I never doubted that you would not keep him. I make fair market value trades. Don't make me screenshot these trades. All right, so on <laughs> to the next position: running backs. Cut Who off. You hate, there. by the way. So let's. Look at Frank. Let's look at Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry. 
So those two guys coming off of injuries that kept them out basically the half second half of the season, pretty much McCaffrey, almost three quarters of it. So for those two guys, can we safely take them in the top five? Well, I like this comp because it's two players with injury concerns, but one, I will say yes. The other, I'll say no. So I'm going to say yes on Christian McCaffrey, just because when he's healthy, he has a ceiling that no other player really has. He He's used so much in the in the receiving game. He's one of three running backs to ever put up a thousand plus in, in rushing and receiving. You know, he, he by all accounts, he looks healthy so far in camp. They get a quarterback upgrade. I know Baker Mayfield has been inconsistent and really disappointing, but I think a change of scenery can help him and he could be competent as a starter, at least better than Darnold, especially down the stretch. He was awful. So McCaffrey, I think you can safely take him in the top three, even if you took him first overall, I wouldn't even hate on that just because of the ceiling I mentioned. As for Henry, you look at the Titans. I think they will be worse this year. They lost AJ Brown. I do like Traylon Burks, but he's a rookie. They got Robert Woods, but he's coming off the torn ACL, which could affect his production. Henry's got a lot of mileage on him with that heavy workload the last couple of years. He had that foot injury. I know he had more targets than ever last year, but is that going to really stick? Like maybe that was just an outlier. So he doesn't really have much receiving upside at all. With the declining supporting cast, I mean, I'm not really uh, into taking him in the top five. I could take one of the receivers, Jefferson, Cup, Jamar Chase. So for me, I'm I'm out on Henry in the top five, but yes on McCaffrey. So Jonathan Taylor last year, obviously the break breakthrough year. So who is essentially um, this year's Jonathan Taylor? Okay, so I looked. Uh, there's a few candidates, but I took one who goes outside the top 15 and we mentioned him a little bit and it's Travis Etienne just because uh, he's clearly the best weapon in that offense. I know Christian Kirk's pretty solid, but you look at them on that depth chart, Etienne is, is their most, is their best uh, offensive weapon. And I think you're going to see Trevor Lawrence take a real year two leap uh, after that dumpster fire of a rookie season. Cause Urban Meyer was just a, disaster of a head coach didn't put any of his players in a position to succeed and now you get former Super Bowl winning coach Doug Peterson he helped develop Carson Wentz I think he'll help Trevor Lawrence who of course we know is like a generational quarterback prospect that in turn will help everyone in the offense and I think Etienne will be a focal point and particularly in the passing game and then you add in the fact that James Robinson is coming off the Achilles injury I know he's ahead of schedule, but like how effective is he really going to be? We saw that with Cam Akers last year. So if I have to pick one, a non-RB1, and I dug a little deeper in the top 15, I go with Etienne here. Nice. JT, so from our JT to Jonathan Taylor, who do you have as this year's JT? Yeah, because I'm not the real JT. You're not. You're not. It's Jonathan Taylor. I will say, Frank, thank you so much because – I love the analysis you just gave, particularly on the Titans and the Jaguars, because it sounds a lot like something somebody on this show said and a certain someone who remained nameless didn't agree with. So Titans down, Jags up. I love it. Um, I, guys, I like forget, tra- see, JT, 
We're talking fantasy. I get it. I when get it. When you were just, discussing it, you were I'm talking saying, real. I'm, I'm just saying. You're agree. forgetting about the Tennessee hey, Titans defense and Mike Vrabel. He brought the Super Bowl coach. He brought the Super Bowl coach. That's all I'm going to say. But I agree. This year's- I like to – sorry to cut you off. I just wanted to throw in. I mean real, too. I think the Jags are a nice sleeper team, and I think the Titans are trending down. But sorry to interrupt. No, no, no that, thank you. That's fine. Thank we can you. talk say, say, say it again. Too. Say it again loudly but so he can hear it. I, I don't think you remember his glasses. Remember one thing. <laughs> Doug Peterson fired like a year and a half after a Super Bowl. Mike Vrabel still doing his thing. He's always going to have his team playing hard. He's just one of those coaches that has his team playing hard. I'm just saying. All right. Really, this is like Trevor Lawrence's rookie year all over. I mean, we talk about James Robinson coming back from injury. What about Etienne? Yeah, that, he hasn't that is played true. one snap of real. Meanwhile, Frank, I got to admit, I feel good about what I wrote down for this one because I had Etienne too. But if we are going to play devil's advocate and say, well, James Robinson's not ready to come back, neither is Henry. I know Etienne doesn't have the workload of a Derrick Henry throughout his career, but the dude, neither has the dude, meaning Etienne, even had one real regular season snap in the NFL. So we've seen it before throughout the history of the NFL. Kajana Carter, you know, Curtis Enos. I mean, you go down the line, first-round picks that didn't make it. I mean, even Saquon Barkley struggling. So, but I had Etienne, too, ironically enough. But I just had to put JT in his place that we're talking real football. I don't think football. he did because he's I'm he taking said he the Titans. That, he he said the Jags Vrabel. are going to be good in real I'm, life. So I'm, taking, I'm going with the expert. I, I'm I taking Vrabel. I'm not really Peterson. going off of what you're saying. I, I like I Etienne I still agree a lot. with Frank. It's Etienne. I like Etienne a lot. Um, it's obvious. I think the injury concerns worry me. Like I got a big thing about um, like foot injuries for skill position players. Like They always worry me. I got to see what they do first. Um, but the guy I picked is it's a little bit unconventional, but I can see how he can get there. And I think it's AJ Dillon. And for a few reasons, one, I think because he's obviously going to be in a run first situation because Aaron Rodgers just said all his receivers are garbage. So they're going to be running the ball and they're going to have him and Aaron Jones on the field a lot. And I just think even if they, if he had the same role this year as last year, I still think he has double digit touchdown upside in that offense. And the stat that really tricked me was, he caught 35 passes last year, but it's like a complimentary piece. And that's only what five less than Jonathan Taylor caught last year. So he, if he, he's naturally going to improve on that. So if he's getting more passes thrown and more targets, and I know the rushing volume is going to increase and the touchdown equity is probably going to be there. I can see AJ Dillon's, you know, sneakily being a top five running back. And even if, you know, they get rolling, he could be like the JT type that, by like week five, like he's just unstoppable, like 120 yards, two touchdowns, and maybe five or six catches. So I can see Dylan maybe falling into that category too. But love that. But JT, and, and I'll throw this out to Frank too. I mean, the difference with Jonathan Taylor was he was just all around better than some of those guys that were in the crowded backfield a year ago, supposedly in Indianapolis. I mean, I don't know if Rodgers is just gonna put Aaron Jones off to the side. No, I think they're both going to be on the field a lot together. And I think they're I think they're going to be in more scoring positions than people think because Devontae's not there. And I think people forget, like, Jonathan Taylor, two things. One, he started off really slow, which is why in a lot of leagues I was in, a lot of people traded him away. And then they regretted it because he ended up going off down the stretch when they, you know, upped his snaps. But he, if you look back, 
if Derrick Henry and CMC don't get hurt, like Jonathan Taylor is not the number one running back for the year. And I think I was I was reading somewhere, Frank, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think they were saying that his RB1 finish was like one of the least points per game that it had been for like a while. So like he was the RB1, but it wasn't like a special type like McCaffrey season, like you said, where he's running 4,000, catching, you know, 1,000 yards receiving and things like that. Yeah, that's true. He he was one of the lower scoring RB1s and it was because like Henry got hurt and if Henry played enough, he would have been number one and he had higher average uh, fantasy points per game. And then of course, McCaffrey got hurt as well. But uh, I love that A.J. Dillon call. I love him this year. One of my favorite targets because yeah, and they just said, Aaron Rodgers said those two, they want their best 11 on the field and Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are part of those best 11. So You'll see both of them. I think AJ Dillon's definitely getting double-digit touchdowns if he gets stays healthy. And there's a path for him to just erupt. Like Aaron Jones hasn't been really the picture of good health. Like he played banged up here and there last year. They may try to preserve him. Maybe he misses time, and then it's the Dillon show. So I love him. I totally agree with that. So we've mentioned a lot of running backs. We've mentioned a lot of names, some former big-time stars. So, Frank, help me out here. Top three overall RB1 candidates on your list. All right. So, I mentioned Christian McCaffrey just because he's healthy now and he's shown a ceiling that really no other player has shown just with the rushing and the receiving yards. So, he's definitely number one. Uh, I'm going to add in Alvin Kamara just because like he's really flying up draft boards now that it looks like his suspension is going to be pushed to next season. You know, he's finished as RB1 before. I believe it was uh, two years ago, that year when he rushed for like six touchdowns. If I'm not mistaken, he finished at that. Uh, but anyways, they're, they're, Michael Thomas is back. Chris Olave was drafted. Uh, like It's an improved supporting cast. Kamara has that in his, in his range of outcomes just because his receiving upside. And my third one is one of my, my favorite running back target, and it's Saquon Barkley. I think now he's finally fully healthy. He played banged up last year, and he was plagued by poor play calling with Jason Garrett. He's got a new, a better coach, a better scheme with Brian Dable. He's pretty, he's the focal point of that Giants offense. Like they don't have a clear cut top receiver. They have a rookie tight end that they'll that they have in that um, in that arsenal. So Barkley, Barkley is the top there. They're going to really feature him. He'll get a ton of usage. I think he can really go off this year. And you can get him early second, maybe reach on him late in the first round. He's one of my favorites. Is there, is there any concern there, though, that, like you said, lack of weapons and Daniel Jones as, a quarter, as the quarterback? I mean, we saw in Pittsburgh last year, teams were playing that line of scrimmage really tight, knowing that Ben really couldn't go deep on them. Steelers didn't have a great a great offensive line, but is there any concern that with Daniel Jones as a quarterback that that could limit Saquon from being a top three? Because we're not talking about just a potential one or you know first or second round selection or a top ten. I mean, when we're talking about top three, he's got beyond almost every game and healthy. Yeah, there, absolutely. There's definite concerns there. Um, especially if like say Daniel Jones just bottoms out and they bench him for Tyrod Taylor, that'd be a disaster because Taylor runs a lot and running quarterbacks don't really target their, their running backs much. They, they either take off and run or they throw it like downfield like Tyrod does. So 
I would hate that. But I just I'm putting some confidence in Brian Dable helping Daniel Jones, like put him in a better position to succeed and just like emphasizing little dump offs to Barkley, getting it to Tony in space and maybe he can show some semblance of improvement and maybe keep his job. But I do understand what you're saying. There's definite risk in that regard. All right. Hey, look, I, I love it, but I also hate it at the same time because that guy has a pen and he's writing down everything. So you, you give, <laughs> you're giving us amazing, amazing information. I feel like my whole draft board is just blown up now because he's just going to draft all the guys that I was probably. Gonna Frank is giving us the answers to the test. and I love it. I love I, it. I've been getting the answers to the test. Now you have it now. So now we got to cheat together. So this sucks. <laughs> So uh, so naturally, let's go on to receivers, um, more so uh, new guys on new teams. So I'm going with uh, Tyreek, A.J. Brown and Devontae. So between those three guys, which team change do you think drops to production the most amongst these three wide receivers? I got to go with Tyreek Hill just because even though I like I kind of like Tua, but it's a big downgrade from Mahomes to Tua. I think the downgrade there is bigger than uh, uh, Adams going from Rogers to Carr, just because Carr is more proven than Tua is at this stage of their career. And then A.G. Brown goes from Tannehill to Hurts, which is not really that much of a downgrade, if any at all. And you look at like where Hill played in KC, they played a fast pace, they air it out. Is Miami going to really pass it at that same high rate? I mean, maybe they can, like, they won't be run heavy. They'll pass it, but it's going to be a decline in volume for him. And I love Tua's chemistry with Jalen Waddle. Like, that could, that could, you know, Hill might have to uh, adjust to the transition with a new quarterback, and Tua's just finding the guy he's comfortable with more. I think we could see a drop-off from Hill this year. And uh, out of those three, that's who I'm picking. I'd rather have A.J. Brown or Devontae Adams. So you guys were talking about McDaniel earlier and loving it. And, oh, the San Francisco 49ers had, oh, he's in Miami. Well, I'm, if, if you're going to say that, I got to believe in him. I got to trust him that he's going to find creative ways to get Tyreek Hill the ball. And, and I agree, Frank. I think Tua's chemistry, I'm not as down on Tua as everyone else. JT is just down on him. Like, get rid of him right now for a seventh round It's my round quarterback, pick. of course I'm for down like on him. For like a seventh round pick in real life. He's like, get rid of him. I trade him for pick. you right now. Like, and I haven't seen <laughs> you, you for like three years. You, you don't want that. So same, same production. I'm, I'm, I'm more on Tua than most people in terms of thinking he's going to have a good year. I do agree with you that chemistry he has with Waddle is, is pretty good, but you don't bring in a guy like Tyreek Hill to be a decoy. You don't bring him in unless you're going to feed him the ball, get him in space, find way, creative ways to get him the ball so he can score touchdowns because that's been Miami's issue for the past 20 years, no playmakers. And they finally have a legit one with Tyreek Hill in addition to another one with Jalen Waddle. Maybe the question I would ask here, instead of what JT asked, is who with the change is not going to live up to their like normal height? Because AJ Brown, correct me if I'm wrong, he didn't have that great of production last year, did he? I he mean, was he hurt, was though. he was hurt exactly. So if we're talking about dropping production from last year, I mean AJ Brown can only go up. But if we're expecting like the hype in in what we're expecting. 
I don't think A.J. Brown's going to do as well because that's why I was asking those questions about Jalen Hurts. How much do we trust him? Is he going to run? And if you look on film sometimes, going back to like Oklahoma days, sometimes you worry that is he making the right throw to the right guy? And now he's got a lot of weapons there, and they still are going to run the ball. So is he going to get the ball to A.J. Brown the way we expect him to? And I think that's my concern is, is he go Because regardless of what we think, Tyreek Hill is going to demand the ball. A.J. Brown, yes, he can demand the ball, but that team is already there. So Tyreek Hill has a Super Bowl ring. He can demand the ball. A.J. Brown coming in and demanding the ball when you've got who you got on the other side? Devontae Smith. Oh, a Heisman winner that is also producing in the NFL. I'm not totally sold on that A.J. Brown that he's going to like blow up as everyone thinks. So I, I can see where Frank is going there. I would just change the question in that I'm not buying the hype on on A.J. Brown. Maybe I, I'll probably be wrong. Yeah, you probably will be. <laughs> I'm more concerned with Jalen Hurts in that. Can he be consistent enough in the air? Because a lot of his points we talked about, almost 800 rushing yards and 10 touchdowns. Yeah, that makes you a really good fantasy football quarterback. But what are you going to do now that you have the weapons? Because he's got to keep everybody happy there, and he's still a young guy. Yeah, it's definitely a concern. Uh, but I think – that A.J. Brown's skill set fits better with Jalen Hurts because Hurts, you know, sometimes he makes erratic throws. And Devon, you saw sometimes with Devonta Smith, there was a bit of chemistry issues. He'd, he'd miss him when he's open or he'd look elsewhere and run. Whereas Brown, I think they're just going to make him a focal point and give him those like layup targets where he can go to work after the catch. You know, off script, Hurts is scrambling around. He's going to look for A.J. Brown. I think I, and they even, I, I believe they they know each other through college or they're friends. There's already a built-in chemistry. I think he's really going to go off in Philly. But you made some great points. You know, they didn't go get Tyree Kill not to feature him. They got a really creative coach. So there's always two sides to, of the coin here. And you, even, even though I might think one thing, I have to acknowledge that, hey, you, your point's articulated well and they make perfect sense and i could be wrong but we'll have to we'll have to see it it will be interesting for sure man do not apologize to him you were right you had the right answer the first time <laughs> that's why i couldn't agree with you frank God, i knew what jt was gonna say that's why God i could not 100 agree with you you are always trying to make things more complicated than they really are i really believe it's the glasses like you come in here with your glasses <laughs> in your teacher sweater and you're just like you know what i'm just gonna make this test as hard as i can for no reason it, it's, it's tyreek for all the reasons that frank said new team quarterback we don't trust we don't even know if they can use him the same way that made him a fantasy commodity in kansas city it's probably not going to happen and i agree with both of you the jalen waddle thing scares me and i look at tyreek just look at his numbers over the past what five years he's averaging 120 plus targets over 80 catches like, I don't say I could comfortably feel he has a direct path to get to that when you have Waddle, Gasecki, Cedric Wilson, Don, who you love, and I don't trust Tua. So, like, 
he has to be the obvious answer just because it's the less favorable situation. I actually agree with Frank. I think AJ Brown's going to go off just because if you look at the metrics of how he scored last year, even with the injury, like it's ridiculous. Like he's still amongst like the top five or six guys. It's just, he doesn't have the stats to back it up because he was hurt. And I I agree. I think they're going to use him. It's going to be like a funnel to him. He's going to get all the targets. I think guys like Hertz throw better to big body guys like AJ and then Devontae is just Devontae. I'm not going to doubt him in any situation. And also I think the Eagles and the Raiders, one, they have the better quarterbacks, but two, also, I just think they're going to pass it more. Like, I don't know what the Dolphins are going to do. Like they could run the ball. They could pass it. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do, but I can see Tua being, he could be bottom six in attempts, but he can also be maybe top 12. Like, the the possibilities are too too erratic for me to say it's not too uh, Tyreek. So f- Frank, like halfway through an episode, all right. Usually our guests just become family, and now it's a debate, right? Like you're still the expert, but now it's like a, a debate, <laughs> right? A conversation debate. So you guys are saying that oh, all these weapons in Miami, we, we're not sure about Tua. Are we sure about Jalen Hurts? But then on top of that, I'm looking at the depth chart of the Eagles. And I mean, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell. So, you know, he's going to get touches in there. Those guys were all there last year. (laughs) But so were all those Dolphin guys you just mentioned. No, they weren't. We didn't didn't have Cedric Wilson. But the main guys, Waddle and Gusecki. But, okay, those other guys were there in Philly, yes. And maybe the Dolphins add Chase Edmonds and things. But, okay, now you're adding A.J. Brown. Those other guys, meaning Devontae Smith, Gainwell, Sanders, Dallas Goddard they're still expecting to eat the way they did last year whether AJ Brown's coming in or not so who are you going to scale back their targets Dallas Goddard I think it's going to be Smith just because I don't think he's a good fit with Hertz like Smith is a route runner he's separation you got to hit him so if you're the rhythm but if you're the GM that's your first round pick last year. How's that going to okay. look on you? And Howie Rosen made a mistake. It's okay. It happens. How did he make a mistake? The guy was pretty good last year. Was he though? As a rookie, I mean, he's he's bound to get better. Who, who was better last year? Admit, him or him or Amon Ross St. Brown? You don't want to. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown, like that's all Detroit had. He was so that's good. They Detroit put him on hard this year. Think about that. He was so good. They're like, Let's hey, see look, what we he got does a reason to go year. film in Detroit. Soft, there's film out like there him. on him now. Sophomore slump. Let's see what he does. Who was better still, last year? Him or Gabe Jared? He still has Jared Goff. You just don't want to admit Devontae Smith had a good rookie year. He that's really my did guy. it. Not for what that's they we're, we're talking about in real life. He didn't because he's a first round pick. And I think in fantasy, he was really disappointed because I know a lot of guys that were in leagues with me reached for him really like fifth or sixth round. He had a young QB. St. Brown had a veteran that went to a Super Bowl. There's a big difference, even though I'm not a huge golf fan. There's a difference there. You sound like one right now. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, uh, to, to sum up what you guys are saying, um, I think Smith did had a decent rookie year, but from fantasy, he was disappointing. And I think he was held back by Jalen Hurts because, like you mentioned, I don't think they're a good fit together in what they do best on the field. Like you said, he's, he's a good separator, has to be hit in rhythm, where Jalen Hurts, he might miss him totally and just try to take off and run. So, yeah, I think – with this, if we look at it, you have the existing receiver on Philly, Devontae Smith, showing a lack of chemistry with Hertz. Whereas in Miami, you have the existing receiver, Jalen Waddle, showing a ton of chemistry with Tua. So I think that's a key difference that we can point out here. Okay. That one I can buy. That that would Boom. convince me more. 
boom, there you go, Don. That's why you were wrong. Nah, but that, that may be right, but it's not your reasoning where you don't believe in Tua, JT. Well, I mean, I, I just I'll take I Frank's I explanation, it. not yours. <laughs> That's, this is why I don't like you. Like, literally, you, you'll do anything to admit you're not wrong. <laughs> this is you See what I got to deal with? This is literally how he does shows. It's just, look, whatever you say is wrong, and if somebody says something similar, ah, I'll, I, ah you're still wrong. No, it's just what you say, JT. Yeah, I got you it. want to go on to the next question? Can you go, go on ahead. to the next question? Go ahead. It's, you're the one asking the questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so wide receiver one, that term is always thrown out there. So who is the receiver that's outside of that, that normal range that we don't see coming that at the end of the year it's going to be like, all right, he could be top five or top ten? Uh, the one I'm going to go with, we maybe see him coming, but we see him coming as like a solid pick who could be a high end wide receiver too. But I think we could see this player ascend to the top 12 and that's Allen Robinson. And it's just because he, for his, so many years in his career, look at it. He's played with poor, like erratic quarterbacks still produce last year. He clearly wanted to leave Chicago and they put him on the franchise tag. So he was unhappy the entire season. It was pretty evident that, you know, he didn't give it his all. And like, he kind of, he didn't look happy there. So when you're not happy, you're not playing at your best. And I think now you see him leave Chicago, one of the worst teams in the league, going to the defending Super Bowl champions. How motivated, he's in it just, that's a huge change of scenery. He's going to be so motivated. And now he plays with the best quarterback in his career by far in Matthew Stafford. And I know the elbow injury is there, but Robinson can catch those underneath passes and make those contested catches. He could be a threat in the red zone. I think he's really going to take off in LA. And, and I think we're maybe some people are underestimating his upside in the Sean McVay offense. Yeah, I can agree with you on that. that. That's a that's a great analysis, and it's it's just crazy. Like he, you've seen him do it before with quarterbacks that are trash. You know, like Blake Bortles, and then anything they put on the field in Chicago. And it's funny too. I don't know where I heard this, but people act like athletes in bad positions just don't quit. So like we see it all the time in basketball. But Allen Robinson yeah. may have just like, all right, I don't want to play through this anymore in Chicago. Like I'll wait till I get out of here. Randy Moss did it. And then went yeah. to the Patriots and like put up a career year. So I, I like Allen Robinson. So you definitely moved him up my draft board. Probably his too, unfortunately. But absolutely, uh, absolutely. Damn, I like I like what you said about the NBA players. Like it happens so often in, in the NBA. Why can't it happen in the NFL? It's there's a chance that he really didn't give it his all. He was really unhappy. So I think we give him a pass for last year, and I think you're going to see him take off in LA. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to flip the script on this. So the wide receiver one that's usually there, like you're, you know, you press it, it's it's automatic. Who is the guy in that tier that drops out of that tier for good this year? Okay, this was a tougher one because of the for good part. Like, you know, you can pick someone maybe a down year and, and maybe they could bounce back next year. But thinking about that, I had to go with Keenan Allen just because he's, starting to get a little old, like he's starting to get on the wrong side of 30. You're seeing some decline in efficiency. I just don't think he has the same upside anymore that he used to have. He's like more of that safe floor pick. I know he's catching passes from Justin Herbert and that's great, but 
you're seeing the decline in efficiency and he could be more like a high-end wide receiver two type rather than the top 12 uh, wide out we've seen in the past. And, you know, Mike Williams showed some growth last year. Maybe he starts to, you never know, maybe he can be more of, of the number one because he, he's more of a downfield threat with which works with Herbert. So out of those, that, that was my pick. It was a tough one though. Yeah, I like Keenan Allen. I know that's Don's guy. I feel like he Keenan Allen ends up on one of his teams every year. So, are you just, you, you still drafting him, or uh, he is thirty? He is thirty. I don't know. Like Frank said, wrong side of thirty. Got it. You got to worry about that. And um, yeah, so I don't know. You will have to find out in CJT. Yeah, the Mike Williams contract. I think backs that up too. Like they paid him a lot to come back. Yeah. Uh, all right. So. I think I, I may know where you're going with this, but I, I feel like this is the one that is really going to help people in fantasy. Which receiving duo do you think will both finish in the top 24? Okay, so for one, it's Chase and Higgins, I think, could finish both in the top 12. So they're definitely <laughs> in this list. Uh, despite what I was saying about Tyree Kill, I don't think he'll finish outside the top 24, and I think Waddle will as well. So I think Hill and Waddle will each be in the top 24. Those those pairings I included for sure. I may have a couple of may have slipped my mind, but like thinking out loud here, like Corlin Sutton and Jerry Judy can, but I think only one of them will. Um, Adam Thiel, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen have a chance, but the, the two locks are the two that I mentioned for sure. And it sounds like the top 24 could be like five teams. And that's just all the receivers in there. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, it could for sure. But, um, you know, even like Debo and Ayuk have a chance. But then again, they have Kittle there as well. You know, if you do it by a per game basis, you could see DeAndre Hopkins and Marquise Brown. So it, it is tough. You could see a bunch, but the pairings that for certain, I think will will finish there. Chase and Higgins, Hill and Waddle. All right, got it. Got it. Wrote I know. It down. I know. He's just. He's, that's what, that's why you're Look not. It. That's why you're not arguing with me as much. You're just writing down everything, which I hate. I'm too busy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So sticking with the theme, wide receiver one overall. Stamp it. Who's it going to be? Oh, I've been hammering this, but since now it's now he's actually like an ADP this way. But I've been like touting this for months now and since like may and that's justin jefferson wide receiver one uh huge upgrade in the coaching staff with kevin o'connell he's going to move him around the formation put him in the slot give him those layup targets you mentioned the quote jefferson said like he was shocked how open cup would always be how this guy is always how is this guy always open now he understands why because the scheme is so good and jefferson like Cup is great, but Jefferson has another level to his game in that he can he's like a amazing route runner as well. And he can do everything really on the field. So he can really go off. And if you look at his splits, like before the game they played against the Chargers, where they said they have to get Justin Jefferson the ball more, which was like I think week 12. I had tweeted this a while ago. He had like crazy target share, like over 30%. And I think that'll carry over to this season. I think he's gonna be the total focal point of Minnesota and I'm willing to take him first overall never me never mind only wide receiver one I'm that high on Jefferson this year damn 
Wow. Um, Don, were your earphones malfunctioning during what he was saying? <laughs> I heard that clear. <laughs> he was willing to take Justin Jefferson number one overall. Yeah, I was thinking about dropping, dropping Josh Allen. <laughs> I got to push back a little bit just for, you know, my own personal game here. Do you worry about the defense being a little better this year? Please say yes so he won't draft him number one overall. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it could be better. It's just that I, I don't think I'll let that worry me. You know, like last year, the Rams defense was still good and Cup just went went nuts. So it's not going to de- deter me from this one. You know, I just love the situation for Jefferson, what he's done in his first two years in the league. It just, I think he's going to just totally pop off. Yeah, he's a beast. It's, it's insane. Like, I, I agree with you. I think he's going to be, he could be better than what Cooper Cup was last year. So we're going to move on to tight ends. And to be honest with you, I almost didn't want to put this section in here because I, this is, this is where the player I'm probably the most excited about is in this group. And I did not want to have you talk about this person in front of him. So <laughs> I know the show who it must is go on. Relax. relax. The, sh- the show must go on. So let's go to tight ends. Um, probably the most overlooked position, but definitely one of the most important. I think it's number two behind um, running backs as far as like scarcity. Um, mm-hmm. The big guys at the top, Kelsey, Kittle, or Andrews. Which one of those guys are you taking first? Oh, it's got to be uh, Travis Kelsey. You know, he's been the number one last few years. Now Tyree Kill's gone, which of course. There will be more attention drawn towards Kelsey, but like the volume could be insane. They're still going to pass really like at a high rate. I know he's in his 30s, but he's really shown no signs of decline. I know Mark Andrews was great last year, but I can't put him over Kelsey considering just the volume you're going to see there. And Kittle, as talented as he is, it's just the problem is like he's such a good blocker and they use him there and, and they run the ball at a high rate and it's just, I don't see him getting enough volume to to compete from a fantasy standpoint with with Kelsey or even Andrews. Don, you taking Kelsey first? I feel like he's another guy that you you reach for a lot in drafts. You taking him first over the other two guys? The only thing that worries me, Frank, is his age. Like he's bound. I don't know. It's one of those things he's been really good about avoiding the big injury. Yeah. Where like Kittle's been out an extended period of time. You know, Andrews is still young. And I I just feel like what year does it catch up to him? Right. I mean, yeah, overall of the three, we're always going Kelsey here. But like, when does it, you know, when does it catch up to him? And I'm like JT, I like Trey Lance. So I'm almost ready to go back to Kittle because that young quarterback's going to look for that safety blanket and Kittle's the safety blanket. Like, yes, Debo is Debo, but when we're talking straight passing game and the blitz is coming, you're looking for the big guy, George Kittle. Um, But I I don't think you can go. I I almost think Frank, like you can't go wrong here with who you pick. And so I can't argue with, with Kelsey, like JT knows how much I love him. So if someone, if, if Frank's going to tell me Kelsey, I'm going Kelsey. I feel like the answer is Kyle Pitts. I'm sorry, I'm overpaying. Oh, I was about to get in. I was about <laughs> I, to I'm, get I'm overpaying. Him. I'm overpaying. But, like, I I know it's a trick question, but I that's the guy I'm, I'm picking. I'm overpaying for him. But let's talk about Kyle Pitts, which is the guy I did not want to talk about in front of Don. But uh, don't worry, I already know. I have him high on my board too. If you're going to take him, take him number one overall. 
Well, cats out the bag. Wow, we'll work out a trade later. Then cats out the bag now. So, um, talking about <laughs> hype and ADP being out of control, do you think Kyle Pitts? I don't know where he's going right now um, in most drafts, but is he worth the hype at his ADP as it stands right now? Oh, absolutely, Kyle Pitts, generational prospect. He had over a thousand yards in his rookie year, which is not really commonly seen at all with tight ends. Like they tend to take time. Look at Kelsey. I don't think he did that until like year five or year four, like later in his career. And Pitts is just, he's like, he's like a Calvin Johnson at tight end. He's just a freak. And uh, I think he's definitely worth the hype. Number one, number two, he's a major reason why I'm not really targeting Kelsey just because you got to take him early second round. And, I would just rather hope Pitts comes to me in the third and I'll just smash that draft button because the he's just so talented. Like he, he's unreal. And I know Marcus Mariota is there, but I think Mariota, who knows, maybe the change of scenery can be a relatively competent starter. And, you know, the defense isn't good. They're going to have to really play catch up. They're going to go to Pitts. Drake London's got a lot of talent, but fact is he's a rookie. Pitts is the clear cut number one there. And he can, I think he can be the top tight end this year. Absolutely. Even in year two, he's just that talented. So I definitely share your uh, optimism with him. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm all on pits too. And it sounds like Don is, he's just hasn't let me know yet, but now the cat's out the back. So that's who we will be battling for in drafts. I want to play devil's, devil's advocate though at Pitts. So the thing that worries me with him, obviously he can do it because Mariota, I think, He's had like good seasons with tight ends, like when he's with the Titans, right? Like Delaney Walker, he did pretty well with him. Um, I worry about where are they going to line him up? Because I feel like if they use him on the inside where tight ends usually create most of their mismatches, like if he's got linebackers covering him, yeah, he's going to score more than one touchdown. I think he'll be fine and he'll, he'll smash the ADP, but are you confident that they won't try to get, you know, cute and try to play him out wide a lot? And he's now he's going against corners and corners with safety help where he might not be as effective. That's a great point. Yeah. Cause it's definitely, he, he was put in that position and that likely hurt his production. But in thinking about it, that made me think like last year, you know, Calvin Ridley was out and you look at that wide receiver room, like Russell Gage is not, like he could go in the slot. He's not really, they didn't really have that many players to put on the perimeter. Like who, like they had what? Zaka- Olamide, uh, Zacchaeus. They had really a, a weak wide receiver room, but now it seems like with the way with the draft, they understood that weakness and they invested heavily in their, with using their first rounder on a, on taking the first receiver off the board. So maybe now that they uh, have Drake London there, they won't feel compelled to put pits on the outside because they feel more confident with their new wide receiver one. And they'll use pits more in the slot, more as a tight end. And he'll avoid those types of situations. At least that's my hope. And I think it kind of makes a little sense. Another thing we can say is like, uh, you know, how last year, Cordero Patterson earlier in the year, they, he was doing great and they were using him like a receiver and, and like partly as a running back. But then they start using him as a traditional running back, running him between the tackles, and that wasn't as effective. Well, now they draft Tyler uh, Allgaier, who's good at running between the tackles. They can use P- Patterson more as a receiver as well, which could help Pitts. So I think, you know, he has the ability to play on the outside, but maybe 
those improvements uh, will have them, you know, lining him up more in the slot, which will be good for us through Lake Pitts. Hey, Frank, is there, before JT asks his next question, you talked about Mariota. I mean, is there some concern that I would think it's a little bit of a downgrade from QB from Matt Ryan to Mariota. And then on top of that downgrade, you have a guy that may be a little rusty too, right? Like I know, you know, been with Arthur Smith, but like, is he going to be a little rusty when he gets that live action? It's definitely a risk. I just, for here, it's just keeping it simple and betting on the talent. And, you know, you see a year two leap in a lot of players where that's where you really see an increase in their production. So it's just really riding the wave with the talent here on pits. But I do everything you're saying makes perfect sense. And even on Twitter, a lot of people, um, that's their uh, rebuttal to to pits hype. But I just like I said, I think he's just a freak of nature and he's going to just be a, a monster. All right. I mean. Is, is that enough to sway you from not drafting him ahead of me, Don? Or are, you still, are we still competing for him? JT, that's why you should take him like fourth, fifth round. Okay, <laughs> yeah, you you hold on to that. All right, so tight end one overall, who's it going to be? This is like the Josh Allen pick. I'm going to stick with Kelsey just because the volume will be there. But if I'm picking the other one, I'm not going to pick Andrews. I'm not going to pick Kittle. I'm not going to pick Waller. I'm going to pick Kyle Pitts if that's my honorable mention of who could be tight end one. I like honorable mentions. It gives me more, gives me more chances, gives me more choices. I like Oh, that. just pick Keenan Allen in the second round like you normally do. And him and Nick Chubb, like they always end up on his team. Like he, <laughs> he always gets all this advice and then the same six, seven guys ends up on his team. And then he always tries to trade Chris Carson like midway through the season. Hey, he retired this year. So God, so I won't have Chris Carson. I get tired of seeing Chris list. Carson in my trade inbox. <laughs> all right frank so to close out the show here we're going to go top five so we're going to count down from five to one you know five give us five of you know whatever we ask for whatever we ask um you know if you want to give an explanation on them great if not if you just want to you know give us kind of the list that's that's fine too so whatever whatever you prefer um so so let's start so five five breakout players Okay, so I'm going to do it is I'm going to give you a really concise point on each player. So five breakout players, one, Rashad Penny. Uh, I know they drafted Kenneth Walker, but Penny will be in the lead role, and Walker has a hernia that could keep him behind schedule. Uh, Penny rushed for 670 yards his last five games. He looked like Nick Chubb on the West Coast. He, He could take it to the house. They're going to be really run heavy. They improved their offensive line by drafting Charles Cross, and I think they might not be as bad as we think. Like they're not going to be good, but they could win like six games and be that scrappy team. Number two, AJ Dillon. We talked highly of him. He's he's the second best offensive weapon on this team. Never mind as a running back. He's a great power runner. He could catch passes. Caught thirty plus last year, like like uh, JT said. And you know, even though the wide receiver deficiencies, Green Bay will still score points, and I think that'll come through Dillon. Number three, Brandon Ayuk. I think, I think Trey Lance has a lot of chemistry with him, and Lance likes to throw it outside the numbers downfield, and Ayuk can win there. And I think we'll see a, a bounce back from what was a somewhat disappointing year two after he was so good as a rookie. 
So I'm going with Ayuk. I'm, I tried to pick up at least one player from each position. Uh, number four, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, big year two leap after the disaster of Urban Meyer going with Doug Peterson who helped Carson Wentz in his development, improved weapons, generational quarterback prospect. I think we'll start to see that come to fruition. Uh, number five, tight end going digging deep for this one, David Njoku. First round draft capital, athletic, still only 26. Austin Hooper's gone, opens up opportunity, you know, I think he can really thrive there and become the number two option. So, you know, Frank, anytime anyone mentions a Miami Hurricanes player oh. on the show, we got to throw up the U. So, you know, <laughs> we, we got we got to do that. Uh, JT, born and raised in Miami. I went to University of Miami. So, so we got Love it. We got to do that. <laughs> um, I mean, plus with Njoku, right? They gave him that that contract. So, yeah. I mean, not only the draft capital, but now the money. I mean, at some point, you got to hope he breaks out. Like, that's what they're banking on. And he flashed. Like, that game against the Chargers, he had, like, 140 yards. Like, he's shown some, like, a nice ceiling. Yeah. The only My only concern with him being Miami Hurricane fans is I feel like JT and I, we've been expecting that since, like, his sophomore, junior year at Miami. And it's like, all right, when's it coming? When's it coming? And it's like, is it ever going to happen? So... I, I don't know. Maybe this is we the also year. had that, bad quarterbacks, too. That's true. That's true. But maybe now this is the year now that Frank has has spoken it into existence. So <laughs> so four. give us four guys, if you can, who you are absolutely not drafting. You're staying away from. So if when I, I know we said absolutely not drafting, but there's always a case, you know, if they fall or if it fits the build, you might take them. But these are players I'm not really targeting at all. Number one, Patrick Mahomes, just because of his track record and, and big name. And, you know, he still goes really high and he lost Tyreek Hill. I just would rather wait a little bit and take a different quarterback. It's I know Mahomes is a stud and he'll still be good. I just feel like we're just banking on track record there rather than um, putting enough emphasis in the decline in supporting costs. Number two, Tyreek Hill, I think going from Mahomes to Tua is a downgrade and you know to has chemistry with waddle maybe hill might take some time to get going in miami and he still goes high in the top 10 i'd rather take aj brown i'd rather wait a bit take t higgins um so i'm i'm out there uh number three james connor it's just because we mentioned his injury concerns plus a lot of his fantasy production last year came from touchdowns and you can't really bank on that year over year like so it's risky. He goes in the third round. I know people look at the depth chart and they're like, who are they going to give touches to? Well, running backs always come out of nowhere. What if Eno Benjamin starts to play that Chase Edmonds role? What if uh, Daryl Williams gets the trust of the coaching staff like he did in Kansas City and takes some touches? So Connor's just too expensive for me. Uh, number four is uh, tight end Dalton Schultz. I know the opportunity is there. I know he put up 800 plus yards and eight touchdowns, but he goes like two rounds ahead of Dallas Goddard and Goddard by efficiency metrics. He, and by just looking him out on the field, he's just a better player. He's more explosive. It's just Schultz has opportunity. And I always like to bet on talent over opportunity. And if at Schultz ADP at, in like the sixth round, I'd rather, you know, I could take like a Joe Burrow. I could take a wide receiver like Elijah Moore 
or a Brandon Ayuk. I'd rather go that route. So that would be my fourth. Okay. Okay. I like that. Uh, three. Three top rookies. Three top rookies. Uh, I was always putting Burks, Traylon Burks as my number one. Um, but, oh, this was – but that was receivers, and I kind of lost track. So my mistake here, number one is Brees Hall, for sure, the running back on the Jets, um, just because, you know, he, he has a three-down skill set. He can be a good runner. He can make an impact in the passing game. I think maybe he'll start off a little slow splitting with Michael Carter, but eventually it'll be his backfield. Uh, number two, Traylon Burks, who I had as my number one rookie receiver, just he, he slots into the A.J. Brown role. They traded Brown for a first and used it on this player. I know there's been concerns in camp about conditioning and like grasping the offense, but I think maybe he'll just get off to a slow start maybe, but he's got the talent and the fit in the scheme to really thrive. And number three, it's close between Drake London and Chris Olave, but I'm going to go with London just because, you know, Olave has to compete with Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Alvin Kamara, whereas Drake London really only has to compete with um, Kyle Pitts and to some extent Cordero Patterson. And London was a higher, more highly touted prospect. He profiles more as like that alpha wide receiver one. So I got to go with him over Olave, although... Olave has upside too, and so does Sky Moore, but they just didn't fit that top three. Yeah. Well, you know what they were saying about you, you mentioned Traylon Burks, maybe not getting the offense going, going a little, um, getting off to a slower start. But you know what they were saying about Jabbar Chase around yeah. this time last year, where he he couldn't catch a couldn't catch a cold, and yet he goes on to have the season that he had. So who exactly. knows with who knows with some of the reporting sometimes, or you know maybe just takes players until the game to really show up. Uh, two, two players that we shouldn't leave the draft without. Okay, so I wanted to pick two that it's more feasible for you because if you put someone like Justin Jefferson, if you don't get a top three, like you're not right. going to be able to get him. Right. So I went with uh, someone who goes early second and sometimes late first. That's Saquon Barkley. If I'm gonna in my home leagues, I have like the tenth pick. I'm gonna be reaching to get him. I really think. This is his year and he's healthy and he's going to go off in an improved coaching staff, better scheme. The other, the other one who I really want to get and like we talked a lot about him, JT's boy, Kyle Pitts. It's just smashing him in the third round. But if I get sniped, I'll get upset because like then I'm really going to wait on tight end. Look at David and Joel Coor, Albert O. But yeah, Pitts is just like a freak. He's going to likely go off. And those are my two. OK, I like that. I like that. And let's do this. For one, we're going to have 1A, 1B. 1A is the guy that will be on your roster by midseason. So essentially, as JT likes to call them, the waiver wire hero guy. Okay. Well, I did pick one just because I picked someone who's likely in most leagues going to be undrafted. Because I didn't want to pick like there's like you could go with Isaiah Pacheco, but he's likely going to be drafted. You know, maybe someone will draft Zamir White as a like a handcuff or a dart throw in the Raiders backfield. So I dug deep for this one, who who I think will be a waiver wire ad at some point, and that is Dearness Johnson of the Browns. Just because when he had last year, when he had opportunity, he was really efficient. He was elusive. He looked great, and you know, 
maybe Kareem Hunt gets dealt at the deadline. You never know. Nowadays, there's more trades. Maybe there's an injury, and then even though, let's say, Chubb or Hunt are there, they'll still use two backs, and then Johnson could emerge. And so I really went with someone who is not like, you know, you're like Alexander Madison's or players like that who will be drafted, but I put one who will be undrafted and, you know, could find his way on your team. That's that's what I like to hear. That's why we brought you on the show is things like that, not giving us just the easy answer. Um, so my 1B question there is, you're on the clock. You've got the number one overall pick in a PPR draft. Super flex. Who's your guy? Redraft. Who's your guy? Okay, so because it's super flex, I got to go with a quarterback, and I just have to go with Josh Allen just because, like I said, it's a, he checks all the boxes, passing volume, talent, supporting cast, rushing upside. So I have to go with him there because if you take a, a non-QB, especially in the early stages, you you know, like it's going to be tough for you because – the teams that take the quarterback first round, they're still going to be able to get good skill groups, a receiver and running back, because even the lower end in the first round are going to be taking quarterbacks a lot of the time. So it's just not really worth it to, to especially in the high range of the first round to, to look elsewhere besides Josh Allen. Got it. Got it. So you hear that JT come make me an offer. If you want Josh Allen. If I wanted to be ripped off, I'll just go on the street corner and buy something from somebody. I'm not. I'm not doing trades with you. We're wow. done. You, you're gonna go buy fake Rolexes, but you're not gonna offer me draft picks for Josh Allen. Because at wow. least they're gonna tell me what I'm getting. They're like, look, it's not exactly you know 100 real, but work with me. You'll be like, hey, this is a real Rolex, and it's not. Like you, you're, you're tricky. I will never trade with you. That's why we don't trade. Yeah, that's why we don't. That's why trade. we don't. Yeah, because you, because you always, you always want the world, and I'm not willing to give it to you. I can't trust you. But one guy I can trust, though, is Frank Amarante. Frank, thank you again for your time. Uh, before you go, though, please let everyone know again where they can find you, where they can follow you. Um, have, have at it. All right. So you could find me uh, on Twitter at F-A-M-M-I-R-A-N-T-E-T-F-J. Always interacting with followers or non-followers. I don't care if you don't. Uh, follow we can talk sports i always like to talk football and even other sports baseball whatever uh you could see my content at the game i'll do some betting content some fantasy mostly football but also a mix of sports and then i'll be doing here and there some uh podcasts with the the account on twitter is called uh, the fantasy jones so i'll be doing more work there as well as a side kind of thing uh with one of my friends so check me out there and guys jt and the Don, you know, it was a pleasure. It was a great conversation. I'd love to come back in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I was I was just going to say, hope that you're willing to come back on. We would love to have you. We know you're a busy guy, but, you know, maybe mid-season or something, we can revisit some of these things, or you can give me some tips on the waiver wire. We can always it. appreciate that. So let, let, let's book that for, like, mid-season. Yeah, we, we would love to have that. It was great talking to you. Great talking fantasy football. Um, so thank you again. We look forward to, to having you on um, in, in the near future. Um, and to all our fans and listeners out there, thank you for listening to us as always. And remember to subscribe to us, JT and the Don All Sports Podcast. You can find us on Google Podcasts, 
Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and all of uh, wherever you find all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember, if you like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And remember to also follow <laughs> us on social, social media, our handle JT and the Don. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook. So JT, great episode. I can't wait for our fantasy drafts. I am fully ready after listening to Frank. So JT, until the next episode, see ya. Peace.